You are listening to a message from Vida City Church Houston. For more information about our church, visit our website at vidacch.org. And now with you, today's message. One of the things that, or the theme for this month is committed, committed to serve, and we'll see how the Lord will direct us on that. But I believe they're already working on our new sign. They're already working on some of the new promos of Vida City. Um, and uh, if we're really going to be able to serve the people that come, then we need to ask God to give us a passion to use our gifts and to use the abilities that God has given us. Everything that is being done, somebody has to do it. Uh, when you sing the songs and you see them on the screen, they don't just appear magically. Somebody has to run that. Somebody has to do it. When you see uh, the people on the screen like myself, somebody has to run, set up, and run the cameras. And you get into worship and you see somebody playing the drums or any musical instrument here. Uh, they're committed to do that. Otherwise, we wouldn't have the worship team that we have. When we have... People like uh, Sister Linda Torres, one of the best teachers, and Sister Blanca taking care of the kids. Some, somebody has to do it. And the theme of this month is uh, committed. I started last week with uh, the sermon called No Excuses. There's no excuse why we can't serve. There's no excuse why we can't use our ability, our talents uh, for the kingdom of God. I mentioned that we tend to do it all week for other people and even bosses or organizations or companies that don't even fear God and we're willing to exchange all of that for a week's pay. And then when we come to the house of God like, like God owes us and, and we, don't, we don't tend to serve. And it's not something that, you know, we're asking 40 hours a week. It's something that we're just asking the, the length of the service, that's about an hour and a half, and even less than that, uh, to use your ability, to use your talent. Not, not every Sunday. If everybody would be committed, uh, we'd have to rotate. And, and there's people that, that are hanging in there. They're tired. You've heard the word burnout. There's people that are already at the verge of burnout. We, we've done this for years and years, and we don't get to relax. We don't get to uh, sit in the service. We don't get to enjoy totality of the service because we're so distracted in what we're doing to serve somebody else so that they can enjoy the service. And so this whole thing about committed is taking us to uh, next year. Next year is 2020, should the Lord tarry and give us life. 2020 has to deal with vision. When you go to the optometrist, uh, they check your vision. They, they check, you know, how good your eyesight is and your and your. Driver's license, it lets you know what, what your eyesight is. And if you wear glasses, you need to wear them, and et cetera. And we all want vision. Uh, what would it be without having vision and sight? Uh, uh, how different would the world be? And sometimes we don't see beyond ourselves. We don't see beyond those that, one, uh, are coming behind us as family members, as children. And number two, we tend to not see beyond the walls, like, this is my day, and, you know, and, and I understand that. But God didn't save us just to, 
go to heaven by ourselves. God saved us so that our story of a God that saves and a God that changes our lives is the same God that could change a family member's life, a friend's life. And God saved us so that we may take somebody with us to heaven. And so I just want to review some things that uh, are were I preached last last um, week. And, uh, wow, I really messed up this time. Um, I printed just the verses. Well, that's okay. I can work with that. Um, I'm in Acts chapter 9, verse 1 through 16. And I just want to um, go over what we started last week. No excuses. There's no excuse why God can't use you. There's no excuse why you can't use your ability and your talent to serve God. There's no excuse why the gifts that God has given you uh, can't be used for God's honor, for God's, for God's glory. He gave them to you for a purpose. He gave them to you for a reason. And we serve God by serving others. But we put excuses why uh, it is that God um, maybe can't use us or we put excuses of um, why is it that uh, um, God would want to use me. And we give everybody the opportunity to serve us versus what Jesus said. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And that's the role model that Jesus exemplified and modeled for us throughout his ministry. To serve. To serve people. To empower people to serve others. And in the story that we are going to read, and I'm going to try not to read it all, but um, sometimes we could, uh, we could um, use it as an excuse. The Apostle Paul in chapter 9, verse 1 on down, it says, but Paul threatening with every breath and eager to destroy every Christian, he went to the high priest in Jerusalem and he requested a letter addressed to synagogues in Damascus requiring that um, their cooperation in the persecution of every, any believers he found there, both men and women, so they could bring them in chains to Jerusalem. This was his assignment. This was his, his passion to destroy every Christian and every believer and then in verse 10 it says, um, well, in, in verse 3, when he was nearing Damascus on this mission to totally destroy, capture Christians, he fell to the, uh, 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 suddenly a bright, brilliant light from heaven spotted down upon him. He fell to the ground and heard the voice saying to him, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? The voice saying to him, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And then... Paul responds, who is speaking, sir, Paul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Now get up and go to the city and await my further instructions. Verse 10, there was in Damascus a believer named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision calling, Ananias, yes, Lord, he replied. And the Lord said, go to Straight Street and find the house of a man named Judas and ask for Paul of Tarsus. He is praying to me right now, for I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in, laying hands on him so that he can see again. But the Lord exclaimed Ananias, I have heard about the terrible things this man has done. 
to the believers in Jerusalem. You know, all of us have a story, and it's not a good one. There's people that know what you've done. Your mind remembers you of where you've been and what you've done. And Satan himself tends to remind us often of where we've been and what we've done. And he says, uh, uh, a man in Ananias coming, laying hands on him, saying, may see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And we hear that he arrests, that, that he has arrest warrants with him from the chief priest authorizing him to arrest every believer in Damascus. But the Lord said, go and do what I say, for Paul is my chosen instrument to make my message, take my message to the nations before kings as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for me. Two things real quickly out of this passage that we've read is that God had chosen him. Maybe Paul didn't know that when he was throwing stones to kill the, the, the believers. When he was arresting them, maybe he didn't know that yet. But God chose him. And not only did God choose him, but he says he is my instrument. And it doesn't matter what your lifestyle or what you have been in the past. There's always a new page and there's always a new beginning. There's always a new season. And God wants to use your testimony to become a, 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 a message of the power and the saving grace of Jesus Christ. We talked about in Romans chapter 9, 22, verse 25, that God is tolerant. That God has the power to show his power in judgment. That God could just say, you want to know how bad of a God I am? And, how, and when I mean bad, I'm talking about how big of a God I am. He goes, I could strike you down. Your sin deserves you to die. Your sin deserves judgment. And God could prove his power by bringing judgment to us. But Romans chapter 9 verse uh, 20, uh, uh, 22, it says, it may be that God wants to show his power and anger against sin. It may be that God wants to show his power with that. But he awaits a long time on some men who are ready to be destroyed. Many of us could fall in that category that we were almost ready to be destroyed because of our sin. Because of our, uh, our, our sinful lifestyle. And God had every right to show his power of judgment. But he keeps on saying, he says, not only did he wait a long time. Verse 23, God also wanted to show his shining greatness to those he had given loving kindness. And he says he made them ready for his shining greatness from the beginning. We were ones he chose. He did not only choose Jews, he also chose some from among people who are not Jews. In the book of Hosea, he says, those who are not my people, I will call my people. Those who are not loved, I will call my loved ones. In other words, God was saying, I have every right to show my power how I want. I could show it in judgment. I could show it in wrath. But I choose to show my power in mercy. I choose to cho show my power in the greatness of the love that I have. And the way Hosea said, those that were not my people, I am calling my people. And those that were not loved, I am now calling loved ones. In other words, you and I fall in that category. We deserve judgment. We deserve God's wrath. And God says, I could show my power of wrath upon you. But I'd rather show my power in mercy 
upon you. And you that were not loved, I am love, loving you. You that were not lovable, I am going to love you. You that were not wanted and weren't called mine are now called mine. All of us fit in that category because we all deserve judgment for the wages of sin really is death according to the word of God. But the Bible says that the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus who loved us and saved us and gave his life for us. And you ought to be thankful today that you are a reflection of God's power and mercy, not of God's power and God's wrath. Paul is being very honest by letting us know that, that we uh, are, are people that deserve judgment. That's why James talks to us and it says in James chapter 2 verse 13, it says mercy triumphs over judgment. That's who you are. You are mercy that, was, that triumphed over judgment. God did not pay us according to what our sin deserved. You know, uh, today I could honestly say that we're not here by coincidence, but we're here to be told by God that if God could use Paul, God could use me and God could use you. And the things that we talked about last week was that don't use your past as an excuse. Because we can use our past of what we've done and where we've been that that would exempt me from allowing God to use my life. And just as a review, I want to once again bring to your attention that, that you have no, your past does not intimidate God. Your past does not intimidate God or cause God to say, because of your past, I can't use your life. Your past does not threaten God's grace and threatens God's power to save and transform you. You should know that by now just by where you're sitting that your past did not intimidate God's power to save you and reach out to you and change and transform your life. Paul is a testimony of that. That if God could forgive his past, then God can forgive your past. And if Paul's past was not an excuse, you can't use your past to be an excuse to be used of God and to serve God Acts chapter 22 verse 4, the Bible tells us what Paul describes as his testimony of the past. He says in Acts 22 4, he says the following, I persecuted the followers of the way. Says hounding some of them to death, arresting both men and women and throwing them to prison. Who would want to use somebody like that? To know this is your past. And do you know that many times you are referred to and you are considered concerning your past? Whenever you go to a job interview, they want to know some of your past. And sometimes you're hired or you're not hired because of your past record. Hello, somebody. Whenever you go to the doctor, they want to know about your past. Because they want to reference the past to your present. But thank God that we have a God that knows how to deal with our past. I said, thank God we know a God who knows how to deal with our past. Hallelujah. And the Bible says in Acts 26.10, again, he says, I indeed, I, I, I indeed, indeed, I, 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 I did this in Jerusalem. I authorized by the leading priest, authorized by the leading priest that I may, caused many believers there to be sent to prison. I cast my vote uh, 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 them when they were condemned to death. Many times I had them punished in, in the synagogues and, and, and to get them to curse Jesus, I was so violently opposed to them 
that even I chased them down in foreign cities. This is his past. This is an evil. This is a madman trying to come against the believers. And yet, that was not an excuse for God to save him, transform him, make him a, a man of God, and, and use him to write most of the New Testament. So if Paul was not judged and Paul was not condemned and Paul was not rejected by Christ because of his past, you don't have an excuse that your past to keep you away from serving God, using your talent, using your ability, using the knowledge that God has given you to use it for God's glory, to serve others and to serve God here in your local church. When he writes to his spiritual son, Timothy, he writes to him in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13. He writes to him and he says, even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ, in my insolence I persecuted some people, but God, somebody had to say, but God, but God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. And some of you ought to thank God that there is a God that intervenes in your life, but God came just in time, but God with his loving grace and his kindness, but God oversaw my, my need, my, my faults and, and looked at my needs, but God having the right to put wrath on me. He gave me mercy. But God, who had the right to bring judgment upon me, God triumphed over the judgment by extending mercy. Thank God that God intervened even when we didn't even want him to intervene. Paul is very adamant about what he did in the past, but he says it not out of boasting. He doesn't talk about his past as, as something to be proud of. He's sharing his past to let you know that if God could forgive a man like me the way I was, a murderer, a persecutor of Christians, that if God could do that in my life, your past is no threat to God. Your past does not intimidate God. And your past, even if it was like mine, God has the power to put aside your past. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And thank God that he takes our past and he throws it into the bottom of the sea. And he puts a sign that says no fishing. You can't return to your past. You have a new beginning in Jesus Christ. And now you have the power to serve me with such a great testimony that you have. So what is the excuse that we present God that we cannot serve? What's the excuse that we give God that we cannot serve him? You see... The Bible tells us that there were people in the Bible that despite their past and despite the mistakes that they have made, God still used them. You see, you got three areas, as I mentioned last week, that your past is registered. It's registered in your mind. You know where you've been and what you've done. It's registered in those that know you. Because they know where you've been, and they know what you've done. And it's also registered in Satan's book of lies and books of register that he presents, the Bible says in Revelations, every day accusing you and accusing me of our faults. But aren't you grateful that there's a God that doesn't remember the past? There's a God that doesn't remember what you've done. There's a God that when Satan comes and accuses you, Jesus shows up with the book with blank pages stained with his precious blood and saying it's been forgiven, it's been forgotten. You ought to thank God that there's a God 
that could remember everything and bring it to your face. But he's a God that says, you know what? That's the only place I have amnesia. I don't remember what you did. I don't remember what that sin was. My son's blood washed it away and he washed it away for good. You ought to thank God that there's a God that doesn't look at you from the past but sees you in the present of what you could do now and what you could do in the future for his kingdom and for his glory. See, Paul is a testament uh, of what God can do in our lives. God is a, a, a God that shows through the Paul of life that we too can be used of God. You see, in the Bible, you have people that despite their failures, God used them. The Bible says that Simon Peter preached his best message. And his first message, 3,000 people got saved. And his second message, 5,000. He used Peter after he had denied Jesus Christ. You have people like Samson that had an anointing on their life but got so entangled and he sinned and the sin caused his eyes to, 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 to come out and, uh, and they, go, uh, uh, they, they pulled his eyes out and they made him uh, uh, go and, and grind the, the, meal, but, but the meal. But one day the anointing came back on him and on the last day of his life he killed more Philistines that he did during his whole ministry. You see, God is a God that forgives and a God that can still use you. Abraham, he was a liar. He comes before a king and because his wife Sarai is so pretty, he says, look, you, you're going to have to help me out. When the king asks who you are, you've got to say you're my sister because if you say you're my wife, they'll kill me. And yet, God in his mercy spares Sarai who has the child, uh, 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 the promised child with her and in her and it will be from her. And so God spares that and God forgives Abraham and God uses Abraham to be the father of, of many nations. I'm, I'm here to tell you that your past is not an obstacle. Your past does not threaten God. Your past is not something that God is going to take and say because of this I disqualify you. You ought to tell somebody your past does not disqualify you. There's a man named Jacob that we all know his story, a trickster, a guy that took advantage of the situation, a guy that would, would steal you blind if he could, a guy that if you had, uh, 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 back then, if you had a, a jam box, he'd, he'd steal the jam box and leave you just with the music. That's a con artist that he was. Here's a guy that doesn't really have a future. But all of a sudden, he has an encounter with God. And when he has an encounter with God, God changes his life. And God changes his name. And God reminds him of his identity. And many of you are just like Jacob because you've been known by what you used to do. You've been known by the bad things that you've got nicknames that really do not define who you are in God. But define who you were in the past. But when you have an encounter with God, God reminds you of who you are. And God reminds you of your true identity and God calls you his son and his child and I'm here to tell somebody today the day that you gave your life to Jesus Christ he erased all those nicknames of lies and all those nicknames that really no longer identified who you are and God gave you his name as a child of God that you could live out your purpose and live out God's dream in your life and serve God and bring glory and honor to him despite your past. We also talked about that God uses or, or you can't use your present circumstance as an excuse. Oh, if you only knew how I'm 
right now, if you only knew the situation I'm in, if you only knew the drama that I have today, you see, when Paul was on his way to Damascus, he was full of hate. He was determined to destroy completely anybody that was connected to Jesus Christ. He, he, he was, he was uh, 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 that's how he was when he came to Christ. That was his present condition when he came to Christ. And when he came to Christ, when he came to him, God was able to transform his life and use him. And in the same manner, uh, the same present circumstances that you're facing right now are no excuse for you to serve God, to use your talent, and to use your ability for the glory of God. Your present circumstance could be a, a marriage that maybe is, is falling apart. Your, your, your present circumstance could be a, a life that has no direction. Your present circumstance today could be that you don't have the right education, the right pedigree, or the right degree. Your, your present circumstance today could be one of low resources or financial struggle. Your present circumstance could be that your faith has become weak. Your present circumstance today could be also that you're very arrogant and, and you're full of pride. And, and your circumstance today could be, I'm sorry, but with the things that have happened, I have very low self-esteem. Some of you, because of what you've gone through in life, your present circumstance circumstance is bitter. Your present circumstance is, is of anger. Your present circumstance is of resentment. But I've come to tell you today that if God could take the present circumstance of Paul and change him and make him to be the apostle Paul and do great things for God, God can take you in your present circumstance and turn you around and use you for God's glory by serving other people and serving God. So what is the excuse? That you can't serve God. You know, there was a sister in the 130 service last week. And I'll be honest with you, I got upset last week at the 130 service when I made the altar call of who wanted to serve. Nobody got up. And I said, for real? I was about to tell him, well, we'll see who turns on the lights next Sunday at 1.30. We'll see who opens the doors and gives you a welcome and a smile. We'll see who lead worship next, next Sunday at 1.30. Because in order to do that, you have to have people that are committed and people that want to serve. There was a sister that wanted to come up, and she was, like, hesitant, but she didn't. She calls my wife up yesterday, and she says, Pastor, I just want to let you know that I felt so bad because I really wanted to go up to serve. But I had a job situation that I didn't know if it was going to let me serve or not. It's a brand-new job. And uh, so... I, God knows my heart that I want to serve. The reason I'm calling you is because since God knows my intentions in my heart, they gave me that job. That job gives me all the benefits. That job gives me a 401K. That job gives me health benefits. That job gives me insurance. That job gives me the hours. I can only, I, I, all I have to work, I think it's like three hours or, or three days, uh, and I have the other days off. They don't interfere with my service. So I'm just letting you know that I'm here to serve now. I can do it, and I want to serve God since God has been good to me. God is a God that wants us to serve him. What is our excuse that we cannot serve him? What is it that we cannot? And if we're really believing, once we start doing our promotions and our new signs and, and the new uh, promos are, are coming out and people are going to come, who's going to serve those people? Who's going to serve them? We have, in the three services, we have a total of 180-some volunteers that help and serve. To a certain degree, we feel fulfilled because according to Ephesians 4.11, our job as pastors is to equip the saints for the ministry. 
whether you knew it or not, you have a calling and you have a ministry to do something. And that ministry that you have in that calling is what God prepared you. He might have used the college. He might have used the university. He might have used the uh, 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 technical school. Whatever it is, God used that to prepare you for your ministry. We have people here that work on our vehicles because that's what I know how to do, mechanics. We have people here that help us with the media and, 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 and because that's what they know how to do. We have people here that deal with the internet and try to, because that's what they know how to do. It's not always just, oh, I can't sing and, and I, I can't play an instrument. or I, No, we have people that are parked the cars because, hey, I want to serve. And if I can just direct the traffic, uh, help me out a little bit. Sometimes I may make it congested, but, but I'll learn it and then we'll get them right. But I just, I just want to serve. And so your present circumstance cannot be a, a, a reason or cannot be a, a, an excuse of why I can't serve God. God's called you and God prepared you to use your abilities, your skills for his kingdom and for his glory. My question would be, what are you doing with what God has given you to serve God today? The Bible is full of these types of stories. People in their present condition, that was no excuse not to serve God. For example, you have their Moses in Exodus chapter 7, verse 7. The Bible says Moses was 80 years old. Hello? He's eight. Anybody in here 80? Anybody here 70? Got one sister. There's my, my shouting corner over there, Sister Irene. A anybody uh, 60? Wow. Anybody 50 on up? Okay, we hit the 50 mark. Okay, in three years I'll be 60. So I got, a, I got three 50-some years to enjoy to still be in the 50s. Okay, although at Denny's at 55, you can get the discount. And I, trust me, I get the discount. But what I'm saying here, Moses is 80 years old. Who would want an old guy like that? What could God use with an old guy like that? Yet we know that Moses was the instrument that God used, even at 80 years old, to bring people out of Egypt and conduce them and take them towards the promised land. That was his present circumstance. He was 80 years old. Not only was he 80 years old, but, but look at some of the dilemmas that this guy had. Listen, Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. He couldn't even speak. Listen to what the Bible says in Exodus chapter 4 verse 10. But Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh, 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 oh Lord, I, 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 I'm not very good with, with words. I, 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 I've never have been, I'm not, and I'm not now, even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue tied and my, 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 my words get tangled. Imagine 
how long it just took me to read that. And, and he's trying to have a conversation with God. He says, I can't even speak. I stutter. What can you do with somebody that stutters? There's a, a story that is told of a person that, that stuttered. And he was selling Bibles. And this guy would sell every month more Bibles than anybody else. I mean, you would look at the sale of Bibles. It didn't matter what version it was. It, he, he outsold everybody. So in their meeting, they came and they asked him, they said, hey, give us your secret. How is it that you can sell so many Bibles? And he, he said, it, 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 it's easy. What do you mean it's easy? Yes, because when when I knock on on, on the, the the door, I I ask ask them, do, do do you want to buy a a b Bible, or or do, do do you want me to read? to you. Of course, they didn't want him to read the Bible. They said, look, here, how much is it? Just give me the Bible. Even at that, I'm coming back to say, what is your excuse? Moses put up his excuse. He says, I, I, I can't even talk right. I don't even have the language. I can't even carry on a conversation without stuttering. And I'm supposed to go to a king and talk to him? What's your excuse? Not only that, Exodus 4.1, but Moses protested again. What if they don't, won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Moses had fear. He had fear. They're not going to believe me. Look who I am. Look what I've done. You have no greater power to speak to you than your transformed life of what God did in your life. And when you exemplify and you model a changed life by the power of God, people will know that God spoke to you. People will know that God did something in your life. People will understand that you're not the same person anymore, that you are a different person because of the power of God. Bible says in Exodus 4.13, Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send someone else. He wasn't even in God's plan. He wasn't in agreement with God's plan. He's saying, I, I, I don't think, I think you got somebody, I think you chose the wrong person. I, th I think you made a mistake. You're not looking for me. You, you, you're looking for Aaron. Uh, you, yeah, no, 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 no. He's over there. There's Danny. No, 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 no. He, he's over there. The, 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 there's Frisco. That, that's who you're looking at. I, I'm not the person that, that you want in this. I'm here to tell you God is not intimidated by the weaknesses that you have in the present. God is not intimidated by the flaws that are, you have in the present. Oh, God wants you to say is if you can use this vessel, if you can take this person with all its flaws and all its mistakes, here I am, Lord. Do what you want with me. I want to please you. Hebrew says, 
in chapter 4, verse 13, he says the following, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable to. You and I will give account to God. And you don't have any excuses. Because the Bible says here that God knows everything. He knows what you have. He knows, and yet he desires to use you. Tell somebody, I'm going to give you five seconds to tell me your excuse. Because that's more time than what God's going to give you when he comes and you give account to him why you haven't done nothing with what God gave you. There's nothing you can tell God. Well, God, if you only, I knew. But God, I, 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 I know. But God, oh, only, yeah, I know. But you see, I couldn't. I know you couldn't. But I can. Why didn't you trust me? I had a guy come in the other service last Sunday who didn't come up to the front. They took a, the sting away from my anger that I had. Why doesn't people want to serve? Just want to come and sit. I told my wife, I'm going to serve the whole month of December. I'm not going to preach at the 1.30 service. I said, I'm going to go one Sunday, I'm going to be an usher. The next Sunday, I'm going to do the cars. The next Sunday, I'm going to do the Sunday school with the kids. And if nobody wants to step up, Marisol, I said, I'll shut that service down. Why am I going to have to do everything? We got a 930 service. Get up early and come to church if you want. What excuse do we have? God knows. He made you. He knows your weaknesses and he knows your strengths. That's why Paul says, I, 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 I gloat in my weakness because when I am weak, he becomes strong. The Bible says in Job 23.10, but he knows where I am going. He knows where I am going. There's nothing new. There's nothing that God doesn't know. There's nothing that is hidden from God. He created all of us. He knows what we can do and he knows what we can't do. And that's why Hebrews says again, he is the one to whom we are accountable to. What are you going to answer God? The song in Spanish that says, what have you done? I'm translating with the talent God gave you. What have you done with the talent that God gave you? When Jesus comes and asks you, what have you done with the talent that I gave you? What will you respond? And the Bible says that he gave each one a talent according to their ability. There is something that you're able to do. There is something that God gave you, a gift, graphic designing, I don't know, accounting, business management, multimedia. We have people that check up on our cars because that's all they do, they're mechanics. We have people that do body work. Why? Hey, we got a dent over there. Can you kind of, yeah, we're fixing it. What is it that you have that you can do? What is it? What are things that you have that you work with that could be used in the church? I have a brother here, Brother Pedro Navarro, and every time we need a forklift to do things, even to do things for missions and so forth, I say, hey, Brother Pedro, can, can I borrow your, you tell me when, I'll send the guy at what time and they'll load it up for you or move whatever has to be moved. 
You might think that's, that's nothing. No, it is something. We were able to ship and move a, a frame for a church planner in San Antonio from here. What truck are we going to use? We need a, I have a brother that drives a semi-truck. He says, you tell me the day, the time, and I'll use my semi-truck to take it over San Antonio and come back. There's something that we have that we can offer God to use. We need a forklift. Not a forklift, a, a, a lift. To adjust lights here. You know how dangerous it is? We have some crank that only goes to a certain... I have to tie a ladder and, and I'm climbing up on that ladder because it doesn't reach. And then I get told, why are you doing that? I go, because we can't get a lift. Get a lift and I wouldn't be doing this. Somebody has to adjust the lights. Somebody has to do certain things. It's, it's not just, oh, I have to know. It's things that God entrusted you. He gave it to you so that you could offer it in service to God and serve God by serving others. Let, let me close with this. Don't even come with the excuse, well, you just, God can't use a guy with my character because I was made this way and I'm not changing. In Greek, that word is <laughs> So I don't think you were as bad as Paul. I don't think you were as violent as Paul. I don't think anybody here is a bounty. Because that's what Paul was. He had letters and he was a bounty. He was looking for every Christian. And I'm going to drag him in and I tortured them and I made them blasphemy. First, sec, second Corinthians 10, three scriptures and I'm done. Second Corinthians 10, 10. For some say, Paul's letters are demanding and forceful. Another translation says, I, I'm rough in the way I talk. Well, there's some people, that's the only way you can talk to them. And maybe you're that person. Oh, I can handle this person, Pastor. Don't worry about it. This per I, I can deal with it. That's my nature. But don't use your characteristics as an excuse. No, you know, I'm not nice. Trust me, there's, there's people here that are not nice either, and we need you to go ahead and just confront them for us. Galatians chapter 4. Verse 13 and 14. You know that because of physical infirmity. Hello. Paul was sick. He wasn't this healthy guy. Because of my physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at first. He's saying, I'm not all healed from head to toe. But I'm not allowed my physical infirmity to stop me from letting God to use my life to do what he wants to do in my life. So don't use your infirmity as an excuse. I'm not trying not to be 
insensitive to that. What I'm saying is that even in your infirmity, God can use it to touch somebody else. God could use it to minister to somebody else. God can use you to reach to somebody that some of us cannot be able to reach or identify with. But because you've been through the hurt, but because you've been through the chemo, but because you've lost all your hair through the sickness, because you've gone through all of that and God has restored you and has you alive today is because God wants to show off his power in the midst of your infirmity. And Paul's saying, that's my situation, but God is still using me. One more scripture, Galatians 6, 11. It says, see with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. To you that may not mean much. Paul had hard time seeing. Paul couldn't see. That's why when he would write, that's why he would say, see with what large letters I have written with my own hand. Says, I, I, I. Can you imagine how many, how big, how many pages? If, for example, if he was writing for God so loved the world that he gave his imagine how many pages it took just for him to write one verse I can't see that well but he wrote most of the New Testament are you listening to me he wrote almost all the New Testament. And that's because he couldn't really see. Can you imagine how big those parchments were that somebody says, man, this, this would only be one page, but he has like 20 pages. He didn't allow that to stop him from being used of God. So what excuse do you have not to be used of God? We have people here that take pictures because they're good at that. We have people here that try to help with our Facebook page and our web page because they're good at that, although our web page is kind of jacked up right now. But what, what can you do? What has God entrusted you to serve his body, his people, his church? Would you stand to your feet right now? What excuse do we have? What excuse do I have this whole month we're talking about commitment the year 2020 is coming and we're going to have to give account to God for what we did or did not do Somebody says, and I've told it before, I hate when they say, Pastor, you look so tired. Maybe because I am. We just got back from Colorado. I was, in, I was in Chicago. Went to Springfield. Came back, flew to New Jersey. Spoke at a leadership conference. And from New Jersey, flew to Anchorage. I was at a night Bible school conference there from Anchorage. I flew back home. Then after that I flew back home, I had to go to... Uh, uh, 
Springfield again, which I went with my wife. I, I, I came back, and after coming back, uh, now we went to Colorado. We just got back Friday from Colorado. Tomorrow I fly out to Springfield for uh, an installation service of one of our executives in Springfield uh, of the Assemblies of God. I, I come back Tuesday. I'm here Wednesday and Thursday, Friday. I leave to El Paso, and I preach in El Paso at a Pentecostal conference of Pentecost. And I fly back at 5.30 in the morning to be here Sunday to preach in my three service. On Monday, I drive back to Springfield to a conference of a uh, facilitator conference that my wife and I are going to when, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, flat, drive back Thursday night to be here Friday. You say, Pastor, well, who? I, 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 I want to waste myself, if I can, for God. What God called me to do. What he gave me to do, I want to do it for God the best of my ability. So my, my prayer today is that God would stir up something in you and say, Pastor, th th this is what, what I can do. I, I don't know how it could be used in the church. Trust me, if God gave you an ability, an idea or something, there's something in the church that it can be used for. Would you come to this altar? We've got a few minutes before our next service starts. But I want to pray with you.